Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode seven of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll say this, if week one is any indication of what to expect this 2022 college football season, we are in for a treat. You want to talk about fireworks? There were absolutely that. Not only were there blowouts, we had some close games, we had upsets, a lot of big players making big plays, and it was just a lot of fun. I, I had so much fun myself. I actually watched 21 different games during that opening weekend. So games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tuned in, watched as many games as I could to make sure that I'm bringing you as much content as possible. Who all did I get to see? Who all was I impressed with? And kind of talk from there. And uh, really, I think the first game you have to start with the defending national champs. You know, and you look at, at those those Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta taking on Oregon. And uh, man, the teacher absolutely outclassed the student. You know, Kirby Smart, his team really in all facets of the game really dominated Dan Lanning. And when you look at it, I think Oregon, there's a little bit of a rebuild feel, uh, uh, you know, especially when you look at that offensive side of the football. I think they're really looking for an identity. Bo Nix, I've never really understood the hype around Bo Nix. He's a quarterback that struggled, especially in big games. And we saw that again with a couple of picks thrown, uh, 21 to 37. Um, so he really struggled to get things going there. Veteran offensive line, but I'll tell you what, they uh, they got exposed from an athletic standpoint. I like Alex Forsythe, the center. I thought he played with decent leverage during that game, but even he was beaten on the ins- uh, inside at times by some of these guys. And really, I think we have to kind of start the conversation with Jalen Carter. If you look at the stats, you're just saying, hey, just one tackle on the day. But man, this dude just wants to show you exactly why he is in that conversation to be a top five pick. Um, so quick with his hands and, uh, you know, the, the power. You know, he took Malasala Almave Laulu, the, the right tackle, and right off the ball, takes, takes his hand and shoulder and just kind of shoves him aside, throwing him to the ground before dropping the running back for no game. It was absolutely awesome to watch. Uh, but then you see the, the quickness. Ducks underneath the right guard, Ryan Walk, underneath that pad level, keeps those legs m- moving off that burst off the ball to get to the quarterback, gets a hit as he throws. Those hands, as I mentioned, quick hands with a swim move to beat the right tackle off the ball as well. You know, And then the athleticism. You know, it's 6'3", 310 pounds, big number 88, lined up at fullback, in goal line situations as well. To me, Jalen Carter looks the part, and he's a guy that I, you know, you know he's going to be in conversation in, you know, not only that top ten, but in that five, top five category, uh, because I think he's a guy that can be a, a game wrecker. Really, in this game, they, they weren't challenged by the Ducks at all. So, really, going to be interesting to see Georgia moving on, especially into SEC play, what that team looks like. But definitely, Jalen Carter, uh, absolute stud. Then you go to Kenny McIntosh, and I'll tell you what, Kenny McIntosh, I really wanted to see him carry the football. And when you look at it, he just had five carries for 18 yards. Yes, he got into the end zone, but just five carries. And I think what he was able to put to bed was the fact that he's one of the best, if not the best, receiving running back in college football. Nine catches, 117 yards, and it's one of those things where he did such a good, he was so patient to wait for some of his blockers. Darnell Washington, the big tight end, 6'7", 270 pounds, out there on the edge, blocking for him, 
um, you know, did a really good job shaking guys and, and cutting inside, especially with Justin Flo, Noah Sewell over pursuing um, some of the things that you really like to see. Six receptions for 80 yards in the first half alone. Uh, to me, look, Kenny McIntyre, 6'1", 210, thought that he was really more of a one-cut-and-go type of running back. But, man, he, he was able to show off more of his skill set. I'm really curious to see what he could do with the football in his hands as a ball carrier, as a, as a running back, not just as a pass catcher, um, and really want to see how he develops his game. He's, he's one of those guys that's going to be moving up some draft boards, including my own. Uh, I thought the receiving uh, was absolutely uh, spectacular um, you know, on his end. Big number six for Georgia. Now, I mentioned uh, Darnell Washington. Obviously, Brock Bowers gets a lot of the headlines at that tight end position, but he's not draft eligible yet, so I'm not going to really talk about him too much, although you want to talk about a tight end who's going to be a first-round pick in next year's draft. Brock Bowers is going to be it. But let's talk about big number zero. 6'7", 270, um, power blocks in space to spring Kenny McIntosh. You saw it time and time again, uh, sealing off the edge, doing a great job there. You know, this was a dude, though, crossing route, makes the catch, turns up the field. You see a stiff arm, um, steps over guys before it ended up going out. Um, you know, just so physical. Um, and the ability to, to high point the football if you need him to. I mean, he was hurtling defenders, uh, which was absolutely ridiculous as well. Um, did have a drop in the game. I think he was, you know, didn't really look to pass in. I think he was looking at Noah Sewell coming back to try to disrupt the catch. And so we had a drop there, but overall, Darnell Washington, another guy, when you look at this tight end class, you know, pretty exciting to watch, and he's one of those guys that definitely has my eye. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Broderick Jones, 6'4", 310, light on his feet at that left tackle position. Beats the, the, the defensive ends to the edge. I thought that was really good. Um, you watch the feet, kept that moving, especially in the running game, was able to, to drive some guys, able to climb to the second level as well. Uh, but as a pass protector, I thought he held up really well on the edge. And then Cedric Van Praan, uh, you know, big number 63 in the middle there uh, at the pivot, 6'4", 310. You know, he was showing the ability to climb to the second level, seal off Noah Sewell on an outside run by the running back. Uh, on the move, you know, he's able to, to get under the defender pad level as well. Keeps the legs moving with some leg drive in the running game. I think he definitely helped his draft stock as well, especially going up against a team like Oregon. Um, and then you look at Stetson Bennett. Obviously, we know, look, he's 5'10", five, 5'11", five, 190 pounds. Doesn't look the part. We get it. And this is a guy, I believe he's 24 years of age, but all the guy has done is, is win. He's 11-1 as a starter, 12-1 now, 8-0 in SEC play. Uh, and a guy that, look, you know, you saw the, the play fakes were, were on fire. He was absolutely accurate. Um, you know, a, a guy that, you know, he, he's, he's so small. Uh, but at the same time, I look at him as a guy, because he does have some mobility to him, he's a guy that could end up sticking in the league as, as a second or third quarterback. I mean, look, Chase Daniel is an undersized quarterback, and he's carved out a pretty nice niche for himself at that next level as one of those backup quarterbacks who can fill in in a pinch. You know, Stetson Bennett um, starting to make a name for himself and really kind of starting to open up some eyes uh, for sure. Uh, I thought the other guy there on defense that, that stepped up and played well was Christopher Smith. You know, obviously, you know, with Lewis Seen no longer there and a couple of the corners are gone as well, you needed uh, a guy who was going to step up. And this was a guy, you know, he's running the alley, dropping running backs behind the line, um, sits in the, in the zone, reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, There's a throw up the seam. You know, he drove on the football, picked it off, and, and returned it for, for 22 yards. Uh, there was, you know, another play with Chase Cota 
going down the field, wide open. And Smith comes over, puts a shoulder and arm right on the ball, right as it arrives, and, and draws the football loose. Perfect timing there as well. Six tackles, a tackle for loss to go along with that interception and a pass breakup. Christopher Smith making a name for him there at that safety position. So look, you know, Georgia Bulldogs, you know, it's not a matter of, of uh, rebuilding. It's really just reloading. Uh, Noah Sewell, uh, you know, 6'3", 251. Look, big number one for Oregon in the middle of the defense. He struggled at times to get off blocks. You know, that was one of the things that, that I noticed. Uh, you know, he was having a hard time doing that at times. I thought Broderick Jones, he, he looked to climb up to the second level at one point. And he was able to quickly duck inside the block. We just didn't see enough out of Noah Sewell to really uh, get a good gauge on where he's at. Wanted to see him have a bigger game, and I think he struggled a little bit there. Justin Flo had 10 tackles, um, 6'3", 220. Um, he's, he's so aggressive flying around to the football that he over-pursued, flying wildly um, around the field at times. So he needs to really hone that in and harness that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, those are a couple of linebackers that the Oregon defense is going to rely upon to have big games. That's for sure. The next big game battle of top five opponents in Ohio State and Notre Dame. Um, they're in the horseshoe. Ohio State ultimately beating Notre Dame 21 to 10. First name that you have to talk about is C.J. Stroud and how he did. 6'3", 218 pounds. You know, last year, top five in completion percentage, passing yards per game, passing touchdowns. You know, they, they presented that uh, during the broadcast. And so, obviously, there's a reason why he was number four in the Heisman voting. Um, one of the things that you saw, you know, he, he would hang in the pocket, keeps those eyes down the field. Um, I thought the pocket presence was, was excellent as well. So, when there was, uh, you know, the time to avoid pressure, he would do that. He wouldn't force it getting out of the pocket. Um, excellent trajectory on some of his deep balls as well um, that you saw that. Um, you know, he really understood coverage and would read that, would see, all right, when the safety's deep and you know, another safety's playing up, I've got one-on-one -on -one to the outside. Cam Hart was picked on quite a bit, understanding where those mismatches are going to be. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I saw, though, was when, when he was pressured, he wouldn't always set his feet Um try to fit the ball in the too tight a window he would force it at times and that arm you know it's not overpowering on some of those intermediate throws you know you expect to see a lot more of that some of his passes were late as well still finished 24 of 34 for 223 yards two touchdowns it was an okay performance but i wouldn't say that it's it's anything that to, to write home about for cj stroud um, that's really going to be the, the the guy that i'm going to continue to watch though because i think bryce young has a chance to completely separate himself from cj stroud and the question is then going to be is stroud worthy of a top three pick Moving on to, to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, look, you know, the receiver, left ankle was rolled up on in, in the first quarter. Uh, you know, he was talking during the broadcast, saying something about his knee and hamstring as well. Just two catches for 12 yards. Not really much of a factor. You worry about that injury going forward, especially if it affected you know, multiple muscle groups and, and potential ligaments. So that's, that's definitely a concern. Um, I thought Mayan Williams turned some heads. 5'9", 225 pounds, shoving tacklers to the ground with nice stiff, stiff arms, excellent contact balance. Uh, Williams ended up finishing the game 14 carries, 84 yards, and a score. Um, you know, I believe he's still a junior, uh, but he could come out for the draft. One of those physical running backs getting downhill. And then we get to the offensive line. I think Pat, uh, Paris Johnson, uh, the, the left tackle, I really wanted to see what he could do. 
at that left tackle position because we didn't really get to see it because he was playing inside and everyone was talking about him playing out of position. I get that. But I wanted to see what he could do against Isaiah Foskey. And I'll tell you what, he more than held up his side of the matchup against Foskey, um, you know, showing some, some movement, driving those legs, getting that, uh, that, that defender away from uh, his running back. Good feet, keeping Foskey in front of him with the kick slide. Um, you know, sometimes he gets pushed a little bit too far upfield and Foskey was able to come back to the inside you know, with that, that up and under. Uh, but really good footwork. You saw some of the power steps to the inside, the hand placement to maintain leverage. Um, when he got in trouble, uh, there wasn't much of a kick slide. He kind of stayed square with Kylie Mills. Looked like he was a little flat-footed. Got punched into the chest, able to keep him kind of standing upright and lost that leverage and then continued to be shoved back into the quarterback. That's something to watch out for, for sure. Uh, needs to watch that pad level, but I thought Paris Johnson held up his end. I still think Peter Skaronski should be the number one tackle at this point in the season. Uh, Dewan Johnson, or Dewan Jones, excuse me, the right tackle. Look, mammoth of a man, 6'8". I think he goes about three 330 now. He lost some weight. Looks like he, he's moving a lot better, able to get out to the second level, had a huge block on, on Jack Kaiser, drove him down the field for another five yards. So he was a lot of fun to watch. And then Matthew Jones, I thought he definitely anchored well on the inside against Howard Cross the third. Um, you know, he was trying to get lower than Jones, but that hand placement and, and that anchor was allowing him, really, he was not moved off of his spot as, at all. So I definitely enjoyed seeing that. I thought Ronnie Hickman was very active during the game. Just had four tackles, but one of those things, you saw him especially covering uh, Michael Mayer, stuck on him like glue uh, when he did get matched up against him. Look, Michael Mayer just finished with five receptions for 32 yards. So I think overall the team held up pretty well. But you see the talent there of Michael Mayer. You want to see Tyler Buckner be able to get him the football uh, in space. Mayor, 6'4", 251 pounds, um, just you know, a tremendous athlete, uh, absorbing hits. There was one good shot that the middle linebacker Tommy Eichenberg had on him. He was able to then fall forward, um, get a five-yard gain to set up first and goal from the one. Um, so Mayer, I, I think you know, he didn't do anything to blow you away, but I think he definitely uh, solidified his status as the number one tight end. Uh, Isaiah Foskey, you know, I, I think he... he Use that the hand usage to to his advantage, especially when Paris Johnson lost that pad level. He was able to kind of get him off balance with his hands. I also thought that that Foskey understanding, getting that up and under, driving Paris past the quarterback, then being able to work back to the inside. Uh, but Foskey, I think, really Paris Johnson got the better of him. So I'm looking to see Isaiah Foskey rebound it in a big way. Uh, Brandon Joseph on the outside there for for the the, the Irish at the safety position. Uh, I thought he was pretty physical. That was one of the things that I really wanted to see from him. Can he be a physical presence on the back end of the defense? The answer was a resounding yes. 6'1", 192 pounds, drilled uh, Smith and Jigba after just a four-yard gain, really running the alley well, getting to the sideline and drilling him, not really allowing any yak. So, you know, that was definitely impressive as well. Uh, in the end, though, Ohio State just too much firepower. And if I look at Notre Dame outside of Michael Mayer, who's going to step up and be that, that next weapon? They used to have all these weapons that they could go to. You got Lorenzo Styles. You had the one catch for 54 yards. But outside of that, there, there really wasn't anybody that could really lead that team. And then up front on that offensive line, not having Jarrett Patterson, uh, game time decision, he ultimately wasn't able to go. 
that definitely hurt that offensive line. You see what that guy means to that O-line. I'm looking to see. He could be my number one center when it's all said and done. I want to see what he could do when he gets back out there onto the field. I think that'll be a much approved offensive line whenever he does. Which then takes us to Utah. Number seven in the land. Their highest preseason ranking ever. Uh, taking on Florida in the swamp. And I'll tell you what. Billy Napier, what he's done with that program. You know, they this team was playing hard for him. And uh, they ended up gutting out a 29-26 win. And, and look... I'm jumping on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon. This is a kid. Look, if you look at the stats, you're like, all right, 17 to 24, 168 yards. Not, you know, nothing to really write home about. But then he also had 108 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. And if you you tuned in and watched this game, what what he was able to do with with his arm, you know, the arm strength is ridiculous. You know, the the arm angles that he's changing, uh, it was ability to just gun it in at will and make it look easy. Just a flick of the wrist, and that ball is traveling, you know, 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, there there were some misfires. I think that's one of the things that you saw, whether it was on a slant or some of the deep balls. You know, he would miss uh, some guys that were wide open. But man, you, you see the athleticism. You see his ability to avoid guys in the pocket. He still kept his eyes down the field. Um, that's one of the things that I loved. You know, he was scanning, looking for it. And if there was nothing open, and there was green grass in front of him. He would then take off. You know, he, he was avoiding, you know, Van Fillinger, who's a, a good sack artist there for the Utes. Uh, shed the tackle off and running and, and gets down the field. Um, you know, this is a guy who was throwing the ball 45, 50, 60 yards down the field with ease. There were a couple of times where the ball hung up. DBs were able to, to make a play on it. But, man, the way he was gunning the ball in, especially on those intermediate routes, the connection with, with Ricky Pearsall time and time again on some of the crossing routes were spectacular. What he was able to do on some of the zone reads were, was ridiculous with the ball fakes, fooling everyone, easily walking in into the end zone. Um, you know, Really, when he gets on a roll, it's just one of the, that momentum, that train, the hype train, and that momentum train just continues down the track. Um, I thought that was one of the things that was really impressive. Um, one of the things that he does need to understand, though, is, is he doesn't need to run it every time that he breaks contain. You know, when he gets outside the pocket, still, especially if you've got a guy who's open, and even before, if the pocket's collapsing, you can stay in the pocket, manipulate that pocket a little bit, step up, slide to your left or right, buy some time, and find some of your open receivers. He missed tight ends and receivers that were open, whether it was down the field, over the middle. Um, so there's still some development there that, that he needs to understand. But, you know, you saw a much-improved quarterback. You saw the, the play uh, the decision-making was a lot better. And then can we talk about the jump fake on that two-point conversion? You know, elevates, jumps in the air, looks like it's going to be a jump pass, fools the defense, able to then spin around and find a wide-open receiver there in the end zone for, for that two points. Absolutely ridiculous what, what Richardson was able to do. I think his stock is absolutely rising. And look, if I, I haven't seen Will Levis or Tyler Van Dyke play this year, but man, Anthony Richardson's breathing down their necks. And I wouldn't be surprised if Richardson were talking about him as as that number three quarterback. And if I'm C.J. Stroud, you know, I'm, he's got to continue to build that rapport with those other receivers, not just Jackson Smith and Jigba. Otherwise, Richardson, he's he's coming for you, C.J. Watch out. So I, I thought, you know, the the line 
uh, Osiris Torrance, the transfer from Louisiana, following his head coach to the Swamp. Um, I, I thought you know shooting his hands inside early and pass protection really helped him control his man at the point of attack. Um, when he pulled, stayed you know under control, lines up the linebacker, and then able to seal him off easily. Uh, engulfed uh, Mohamed uh, Diabate uh, when he climbed to the second level as well. Um, I thought Richard Garage. Um, you know, the, the left tackle did a pretty good job. Feet are just okay, but, you know, able to shoot his hands in and able to control his man, allow those feet to catch up with him. Really needs to get those hands and the, and the feet working together. But I'll tell you what, defensively, uh, can we talk about Brenton Cox and Ventrell Miller? Those were the two stars on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Brenton Cox, 10 tackles, a half tackle for loss in a, in a quarterback hurry. Uh, you know, Ventrell Miller, nine tackles, half tackle for loss, quarterback hurry, and, and a pass breakup. And with Brenton Cox, look, knifing in off the edge, um, you had you know, Brent Keithy, or Brent Keithy, excuse me, trying to lead block, able to shoot by him down the line of scrimmage, loop around, drop the running back for only a one-yard game, um, stand up rush in, driving Braden Daniels back a few steps, uses an arm over to disengage, Flattening out to the quarterback, chasing the quarterback down, flushing him from the pocket. You know, this was something that I was waiting to see from Brenton Cox. He could get skinny going through blocks, um, dropping running backs behind the line of scrimmage. That's really what I'm looking for out of Brenton Cox is can he be a complete linebacker, not just an edge rusher, but can he be a guy that can be a complete linebacker? And I think we started seeing that from him um, in this game against Utah. And then Ventrell Miller coming off that, that injury that, that put him on the shelf a season ago. Look, 5'11", 228 pounds. This is the guy that was coming downhill, shooting gaps, wrapping up. You know, Tavion Thomas was a big, powerful running back, driving him back. Uh, you know, he, he showed why he led the Gators in tackles in 2020. Uh, you know, he let the play develop, and then he'd shoot the gap. That was something that you saw, you know, time and time again. Um, speed to get pressure on the quarterback. I think he definitely helped his draft stock as well, showing that he's all the way back from that injury. Um, I thought, you know, Geron uh, Dexter, big 6'6", 312-pound defensive tackle. Um, you know, he was strong to bench press that that center back. Running back really had nowhere to go. Ventrell Miller ultimately cleaning it up, lined up over the left shoulder of the center, then shot the gap off the right center, wasn't blocked, dropped the running back for a loss behind the line of scrimmage. You saw some burst downhill as a pass rusher as well. I thought those were really the standouts there on the defensive side of the football for Florida. And if you look at Utah, look, you know they were in this game. They were driving. Ultimately, Cam Rising throws the pick. Amari Bernie picks it off in the end zone to seal the win. But Cam Rising overall, look, 6'2", 218, uh, 22 at 32, 216 yards, touchdown with that one pick, had seven carries for 61 yards as well. And this was a guy who, look, you know, the, the zone reads, he was able to attack. Uh, you know, there was one play where he attacked Rashad Torrance, double foot stop, then, then cuts back to the inside, breaks an arm tackle to get 12 yards. He was taking big hits as a runner. Needs to watch out there. Uh, but, you know, this was something that I think he struggled at times with, with some of the accuracy, um, some poorly thrown balls, especially had Keithy up the seam, um, poorly underthrown, had, had Devon Vele on the on the outside, put it too far to the outside for him. But, you know, this was a guy I, I thought, especially when he was on the move, breaking outside the pocket, keeping those eyes down the field, making sure that he could, could make some plays in the passing game. Uh, but look, it was all about the tight ends. Brant Keithy, nine receptions for 105 yards and a score. 
the athleticism there, absolutely something that you you see there. He's just going to need some help. You know, receivers. You didn't see much from from them in that passing game. It was all about Keithy and then Dalton Kincaid. Um, you know, Kincaid really looks strong as a blocker. Uh, Keithy, look, he's 6'2", 230. Where is he going to – what position is he going to play at the next level? Is he going to be an H-back? Are you going to have an undersized tight end? That's really the biggest question mark. But when you split him out, you know, this was something – the route running ability, being able to, to cross the face of the linebacker, get to the, uh, you know, to the inside, make catches. Uh, that was something that really jumped off the screen was his ability to run those routes. You know, he kept snapping those routes to the inside catch the ball on the move, and break off for some extra yards. The run after catch was ridiculous for him in that game as well. I thought Keith, you had a great game for him. And, you know, he's going to build some of that interest. Just need to figure out where he fits into an NFL offense. Brayden Daniels, a lot of hype over this left tackle, 6'4", 297. Um, he was beaten inside, tried to get his hands on, on the defensive end, but was overpowered to the inside. Um, you know, he, there was a strike to, to Brenton Cox's chest, but un, unable to keep him up. You know, didn't really shoot his hands inside, and, and the linebacker was able to get to the inside of him. Driven back on a bull rush um, by Cox as well. Used a slap and an arm over to ultimately beat him and get to the quarterback. Um, I thought he did a decent job climbing to the second level. Once he got there, the effort was just so poor, Ventrell Miller just kind of sidesteps him and gets in on the play. I, I, I thought Braden Daniels for all the hype around him, you know, coming into this season, he needed to make a splash, and I didn't see it. I did not see a guy that should be a tackle at the next level. If anything, he should be a guard, but, you know, just the inconsistent play and the lack of effort, um, I'm kind of down on him right now. I really want to see him bounce back in a big way, especially in Pac-12 play. Uh, Tavion Thomas, good vision to see the hole, doesn't really waste time, hits downhill in a hurry, runs hard, uh, gets to the hole, um, and runs over guys and finishes those plays. Very patient runner as well, but you love the, the leg drive and the power to run through arm tackles. You know, 23 carries, 115 yards, and a score. You know, he was definitely a guy that I was watching throughout the game, and I thought that he played very well. Um, Clark Phillips didn't really have a ton of action. They kind of stayed away from his side of the field. I mean, for very good reason. This is a guy who I think is, is going to continue to be in that conversation um, at, among the top corners, somebody to really be on the lookout for. I think at the end of the day, Clark Phillips is probably going to be a day two pick, but he's one of those guys. Could he be another Trent McDuffie or another Kyler Moore, uh, Gordon? That's going to be a big question coming out of the Pac-12, but I, I think this is a guy we know the skills. We saw what he was able to do over the last couple of seasons. Be on the lookout for number one for the Utes. Now we'll get into a little bit of a rapid fire take a look at a bunch of these games that I got to watch and it all starts on Thursday September 1st and Oklahoma State the number 12 team in the country taking down Central Michigan 58-44 Spencer Sanders had a huge day over 400 yards passing with four touchdowns 57 yards on the ground and two scores as well so we counted for six touchdowns looked much more comfortable in the offense much more accurate his decision making is still going to be a question Arm strength isn't going to be there at the next level, but this is a guy who I think can help lead those Cowboys uh, going forward. The defense was suspect at times, but the guy I was watching was Tyler Lacey there, the defensive end, a guy who, uh, look, he's 6'4", 295. Is he an end? Is he a tackle? He's probably a tackle at the next level. I think he'll actually end up being a five technique and a 34 te uh, defense, a guy that would be a nice uh, day three pick and somebody to actually you know, really keep an eye out for. And 
you know, a guy, look, I know everyone's talking about Malcolm Rodriguez. If you watch Hard Knocks, everyone knows about Rodrigo. I love the guy at Oklahoma State, a guy that was a safety, converted to linebacker. We see another guy. He's only a junior, Mason Cobb, big number zero, 11 tackles uh, on the day, a couple tackles for loss, a guy that was just flying around, looked a lot like Malcolm Rodriguez. He'll be a guy to watch out for down the road there for Oklahoma State as well. Lou Nichols. 26 carries, 72 yards, and two touchdowns for the Chippewas. Look, he's a physical running back. We know what we're going to get out of him. 1,848 yards rushing a season ago. This dude led the FBS in rushing. It wasn't anybody else. It wasn't a guy named Bijan Robinson. It wasn't uh, anybody else in this draft. Look, it wasn't even Brees Hall. It was Lou Nichols. And this is a guy who uh, I, I thought you saw some of the cutback ability, the vision, getting downhill in a hurry, the physical finish always seemed to be falling forward, um, gets skinny going through those holes. He's not a guy that's going to bust off and really have a huge uh, run, but he's still a guy that's going to get a lot of that chunk yardage. Also had six receptions, showing really nice hands in the passing game as well. If you look at that backyard brawl, um, it was really the, the former USC quarterback bowl, really, uh, with Keaton Slovis taking on JT Daniels. Keaton Slovis, ultimately they get it the win there, 38-31. And uh, you know, with Keaton Slovis, look, 16-24, 306 yards and a touchdown. Um, and this was one of those things to where he's still holding on to the ball way too long. That pocket presence, that clock needs to go off in his head. You need to be able to get rid of that football. But there were times where the clock did go off. He was able to roll away from pressure and be able to get rid of it, but it wasn't on a consistent basis. I think when he was in rhythm, he was much better. You know, at the very beginning of the game, four for four, 55 yards, and, and then he, right after that, he starts staring down receivers, getting into some of those old habits. They've got to break him of that. Uh, but look, you know, we know that he's talented. I think this is a much better offense, Frank Signetti's offense for him. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I think you're, you're going to see a lot of Keaton Slovis, that development, getting used to this offense, just breaking up some of those old habits that he developed there at USC, you know, with a, a porous line at times. And uh, JT Daniels, 6'3", 210 pounds, 23 of 40, 214 yards and a couple of scores, also threw an interception. Um, you know, JT, he showed off his toughness. There was heavy pressure in his face. This was a guy that wasn't afraid to stand in the pocket. And when you watch the, the ball placement on these throws, they were, they were right on the money. He was making a lot of the back. That, he's excellent at the back shoulder throw, being able to take it off at, at times if he needed to, allowing the receiver, underthrowing it on purpose to allow the receiver to come back uh, to the football as well. Uh, so JT Daniels, to me, uh, you know, he's just he's going to have to get used to getting beat up because that offensive line um, was not holding up for him. And I think that was the difference between the two quarterbacks overall was was the play of the offensive line, and that's really why we saw more out of out of Keaton Slovis than JT Daniels. But look, the ball placement absolutely on on point for for JT Daniels. Um, if you look at things with Pitt on that offensive line, um, Carter Warren, a lot of hype surrounding that left tackle, 6'5", 325 pounds. I saw a guy who was slow afoot. I I saw a guy that wasn't always uh, able to keep his man in front. You know, I, I thought that he struggled at times, um, especially getting beat inside. He struggled with Jared Bartlett. Jared Bartlett, uh, which is their banded back, six tackles, one and a half sacks. He was struggling with that speed, and, and that's why I just don't see Carter Warren 
as a left tackle. He's either going to be a right tackle or a guard at the next level. Um, I thought he did a good job shooting his hands inside. I like to see some of that lateral agility once he had the guy under control. Um, but if you got him out in space, especially if he was climbing to the second level, he was just looks like he was lumbering. Um, just didn't look like the athlete that we saw from some of these other tackles. Um, so wanted to see a little bit more from him there. Um, you know, Habakkuk Baldonado wanted to see what he could do after a big year a season ago. It seemed like he wanted to out physical all the left tackles, uh, you know, or anybody that he lined up against. You know, he bull rush was stifled by the right guard Doug Nestor, who was playing right tackle, just playing way too upright about the physicality. You know, you did you could tone that back a little bit. Doug Nestor, I thought he definitely helped himself. Um, was stoning uh, Kalijah Cansey at times. Um, you know, I, I thought with Cansey, he'd look for that outside move. Then Spoon moved back to the inside. A lot of the secondary moves you saw from him, five tackles and a tackle for loss on the day for him. Uh, but my guy is is uh, Servassier Dennis, uh, you know, a team captain, 6'1", 230 pounds, watch number seven. He flies around to the football, blitz it through the A-gap to get to JT Daniels. Quick screen to the wide receiver on the edge with two blockers. Chases down that running back after 23 yards and, uh, you know, showed, showed excellent effort there. A guy that was able to, you know, he, the sack that he got actually ran through the, through the A-gap, comes untouched, runs right by Tony Mathis, running back, and gets to the quarterback. Just very active. A guy that was physical when you needed him to be. A guy that could drop into coverage a little bit as well. I'm a big fan of Servassier Dennis. I think he's only going to continue to move up draft boards. People are going to be keeping an eye out for him for sure. Bryce Ford Wheaton had a nice day for himself, uh, all, all things considered. Um, we'll get to that in just a sec. 6'3", 224 pounds, and the adjustment to the back shoulder throws, his ability to high point the football, um, the adjustments were absolutely there. Beating receivers deep, catching the football over his shoulder as well. But then we have to talk about the interception. Ultimately, this was this was the difference in the game. Sits down, wide open, 13-yard game. Ball goes right through his hands. MJ Devonshire, the track guy, picks off the football takes off and has ultimately the game winning pick six takes it back for 56 yards that lapse of concentration really cost him the game and for all the the good things that he did that's what everybody's going to remember so he's got to bounce back in a big way uh dante stills i, I like dante stills as an uh as a defensive end defensive tackle he's 6'4 274 pounds i think he can be a five technique at the next level you just saw so much speed you know he was running right by Carter Warren coming off the edge using a two-hand swipe to get his hand get the hands off of the from the right tackle and then being able to get into into the backfield it seemed like he was chasing down Keaton Slovis time and time and time again did a good job keeping the quarterback contained in the pocket as well on the outside um, that's another thing that you really saw from him as well he was just so active six tackles a couple of tackles for loss one and a half sacks I think Dante Stills is the guy that should be drafted. I thought his brother Darius could have gotten drafted. I think Dante Stills will get drafted, maybe on day three, but he's a guy that I think deserves a look at the next level. Penn State and Purdue. Charlie Jones had a huge day. The Iowa transfer, 12 receptions, 153 yards, and a score. He's a guy that you want to continue to watch and look out for. Um, I, I thought the connection with Aiden O'Connell, a buddy of his, uh, growing up, I thought the connection was absolutely there. I'll be interested to see what Charlie Jones can do because, look, Iowa, frankly, that's why he and, and Tyrone Tracy are, are in Purdue now um, in uh, West Lafayette. It, it's because Iowa didn't really throw the football a ton. 
Um, and so you really want to see what they can do in an offense that, look, you know, Jeff Brom's going to want to throw the football all, all over the yard. Uh, Aiden O'Connell had 365 yards passing, so you know they're going to get their shots. But this game was all about Joey Porter Jr. Eight tackles. He had six pass breakups. I mean, he looked pretty much dominant. He was driving on the football. He was physical, knew when to get his hands on the receiver. Um, you know, just very instinctive. The ball skills are ridiculous. Um, he's a guy to me that is growing more and more apparent that he's going to be a first-round pick and a guy that I think could challenge some of those guys at the very top end of, of this cornerback class to be the number one corner taken. I, I truly believe that he's a guy that could be out there and somebody that we could target there at some point. If you look at Missouri, they, they took on Louisiana Tech, 52-24 winners, and uh, you know it was all about the transfers for me. Uh, you know Tyrone, uh, Tyron Hopper, six tackles, a sack, a couple of tackles for loss, an interception. He seemed to be all over the field, and that was one of the things. You know Missouri desperately needed a guy who could be a playmaker in the middle of that defense and then Hopper absolutely delivered you know he was a guy that was playing at Florida he comes in and really you know that interception the quarterback was staring down the receiver to his right able to read those eyes take him to the football picks off the pass I thought that was absolutely spectacular uh, Hopper's a guy that that was really a lot of fun to watch Joseph Charlton there the, the safety as well another very active safety uh, the, the Clemson transfer, you know, he was a guy that uh, seemed to be all over the field. Uh, I, I loved his pairing with, with Jalen Carleys. Look, the junior, he's 6'3", 219 pounds. I think of uh, you know the, the past safeties that they've had there at that program with, with Joshua Bledsoe and uh, you know Tyron Gillespie. And this is a, a really nice duo as well. You saw the, the length, his ability to, to attack the football, very active. Uh, you know, as a wrap-up tackler as well in the open field. He wanted to pick guys up and drive them into the ground. So, you know, you saw some nastiness to him as well. Chris Abrams drain, um, 5'11", 178, a guy who I think is ultimately going to be um, a slot receiver. What I loved about him, he was in his back pedal. He turns, runs with the receiver, gets his head around, look and lean on the sideline throw, able to get a hand in and knock the ball away on a pass that was thrown a little high. Um, so, you know, Abrams drain also looked pretty solid in that game for Mizzou. Um, Louisiana Tech, you know, obviously the guys that you want to really be paying attention to, there's Tyler Grubbs and B.J. Williamson. B.J. Williamson, the safety, 11 tackles and a, and a tackle for loss. He was flying all over the field, very active at that safety position. Tyler Grubbs, also an active linebacker, 6'1", 223 pounds. He had six tackles and a tackle for loss. It seemed like 52 and one were all over the field for the Bulldogs, I think down the stretch, really, when you're looking at Tech, when you're looking at what Sonny Cumbie is going to want to do, um, the focal point on the defense is going to really really be those two guys, that's for sure. But Mizzou came away with the win. I thought the defense looked pretty strong. On Friday, I watched Virginia Tech take on Old Dominion. We know the Monarchs came away with a 20-17 win. And look, this was with Ali Jennings and Zach Kuntz not really doing a whole lot for much of the game. Ali Jennings wound up finishing with uh, five receptions for 122 yards. He did lose a fumble, but it's one of those things to where he's a guy that offense is going to lean on. I thought you know, the quarterback play, Hayden Wolf only completed 14 passes. Uh, you know, left a lot to be desired out there. But with Jennings, you saw the athleticism, you saw his ability to, 
you know, to spin and, and get away from guys and get down the field. Um, able to adjust to some underthrown footballs as well. 6'2", 200 pounds. That ball security you do worry about a little bit. I wanted to see more out of Zach Koontz. Look, he's 6'8", 260. Um, you know, he, he runs pretty good routes. He's not a polished blocker by any means, but you love the height, you love the length, that's for sure. Uh, Blake Watson is a junior running back, 5'9", 163 yards, had 56 yards on the ground in this game, over 1,100 yards a season ago. Um, what you love, though, is he got bottled up, but he's quick to bounce the football to the outside, presses the line, line of scrimmage, follows his blockers, gets outside, down the sideline. Willing blocker, off got shoved back up the field, but as a runner, he kept that those legs churning and really played a lot bigger than his size. For Virginia Tech, I'll, I'll tell you what, Grant Wells throwing a ton of interceptions, had four picks. Um, he, you know, he's a gunslinger, and Marshall, he did some nice things as a freshman, but, man, he's got to do a lot to be a draftable prospect at this point. I think, you know, there's a lot, uh, a lot that he left out there on the field. For me, the, the player there defensively was Dax Hollyfield. You know, 11 tackles. One and a half tackles for loss, a couple of pass breakups, a forced fumble as well. His presence over the middle. You watch number four. There's a reason why you know he's a team captain, the heart and soul of the defense. 6'1, 239 pounds. He's a lot of fun to watch. And that's really the big thing, you know, that you're hoping uh, to see what he can do. Uh, you know, you, you saw him not give up on the play when, when Jennings runs this dig route and ultimately gets down the field. He wraps up the receiver, and not only does he get the forced fumble, he also gets the fumble recovery. And, uh, you know, 26 seconds to play. ODU in Virginia Tech territory was able to strip the ball from the receiver. Really a nice play there. Dax Hollyfield's a guy that, um, you know, whether he decides to come out in the draft this year or next year, he's a guy that I see playing at the next level and can compete for playing time. Now, Illinois and Indiana, this was an interesting game. Ultimately, the Hoosiers came away with the win. Connor Bazelak throwing over 300 yards and a, and a touchdown, also had a pick. Um, up and down game, I thought, out of Bazelak. You know, the accuracy was inconsistent, but uh, the big arm is absolutely there. Um, I, I think you see why he, uh, you know, there was a lot of excitement there at Missouri. Um, ultimately transfers there to Indiana. He's the guy to watch, continue that development there with the Hoosiers I think he's still a year away I think he needs to come back for one more season the stud for Indiana though is defensively Camp Jones number four 12 tackles a sack and a quarterback hurry he was all over the field blitzing from depth comes through runs by the left guard bends around the running back hits the quarterback as as he throws uh twist I mean he just always seemed to be running through gaps and getting to quarterbacks uh, you know, he's sliding to his, to his left and gets downhill, meets Chase Brown in the hole, wraps him up for no gain. Really the heart and soul of the defense, scrapes over the top, lines up the running back, drives forward for a tackle of loss at the line of scrimmage as well. Um, you know, he had this, it looked like a bad knee injury because uh, Demarcus Elliott, the defensive tackle, kind of swung into, into his leg. But he was came back shortly thereafter. Seems like the knee is going to hold up okay. He is a fun dude to watch. Tune in and watch number four for the Hoosiers. Illinois, look, um, you know, I thought they were a little snake bit in this game, but uh, Chase Brown, to me, look, three, 36 carries, 204 yards. This is a guy who isn't exceptional in any one area. Um, but, man, dude just, you know, through two games, he's been spectacular. 5'11", 205, 
physical runner, very patient, follows his blockers, and you see the burst through the hole. That's something that you know was really interesting to see. Um, runs through arm tackles that you you know, obviously, but you know, he can get outside, get down the field vertically. Shows off some pretty good feet uh, and acceleration as well. Um, decent ability to catch the football out of the backfield. You love the skills there. Um, you know he was in the flat, throw was thrown behind, able to turn, make the catch to the inside, and then get up the field as a receiver. The leg drive just keeping it churning as well. He gets skinny through the hole then makes those cuts up the field. Chase Brown, to me, I thought has helped himself as much as anybody in the first two weeks of the season. Because you do have to count week zero as a, as a season there for, uh, for the Illini. And I'll tell you what, the other guy that was making waves was uh, Devin Witherspoon, the corner. Six foot, 180 pounds. We talked about him in the last podcast. This was a dude, starts off the game, reads Sean Shivers in the motion, um, Started running the alley before he even caught the caught the football. Arrives right as the ball gets there, lowers the shoulder, and just absolutely lays him out. Um, I, I thought that Cam Camper had outside leverage, runs right by him. Um, you know, Witherspoon was really flat-footed. It was kind of weird, uncharacteristic of him, but you know, you saw that uh, the ball skills were absolutely there. You know, it was it was Cam Camper's day against him. You know, Camper. Look, 10 catches for 147 yards. He's a receiver to watch out for there as well with DJ Matthews in the slot. Um, also went over 100 yards. Indiana's passing attack is going to be fun to watch. Um, but Camper, you know, he, he fakes outside, cuts back to the inside, uh, beats Witherspoon to the inside. He kind of opened his hips up to the outside. And then that cut back on that post, had to flip back around, was beaten, 40-yard gain. Uh, you know, Witherspoon, kind of an up and down game there. And so I, I thought, you know, there was, he was exposed at times during that game. Um, so a little bit of a concern there. TCU Colorado wanted to see more from Quentin Johnston. You know, only three catches for 22 yards. You know, want to see more out of him. But, you know, they got him the football. He was able to show some speed, getting down the sideline, making some plays. I thought D. Winters showed himself to be very active in the middle of that defense. Had a sack, a couple of tackles for loss as well. Um, so number 13 there for the Horned Frogs, another guy that really helped himself. I thought Travius Hodges Tomlinson, look, he's an undersized corner as it is. Uh, I know he's aggressive. I know he, he wants to play physical and bigger than his size. Man, he's so handsy, wanting to grab guys left and right. But that was something that was definitely concerning. He also got beat vertically by Daniel Arias. So he's a guy that's a little bit of a concern for me. Um, Saturday's games, Michigan, Colorado State in the big house. Michigan takes it down 51-7. Not much of a contest, but look, Blake Corum showed absolute speed there on the outside. Very exciting as a receiver uh, coming out of the backfield as well. Uh, Eric All, the tight end, you liked what he was able to do as a as a receiver as well. Uh, Zach Zinter, the, the uh, right guard, very physical in his play. I thought I, you know he was a guy that was finishing his blocks. You love to be able to see that. Uh, you know, a guy who would climb to the second level, able to, to drive guys down. Uh, but you also saw his ability to anchor, uh, really stand up the defensive end, stifle those rushes as well. Uh, he was really a lot of fun to watch there along the interior of Michigan's line. 6'5", 320 pounds, a junior who's going to be one of the top guards in this draft. Uh, defensively, you see the athleticism from Mozzie Smith. Four tackles, a half sack. One and a half tackles for loss on the broadcast on ABC. Robert Griffin III actually in the weight room with him talking about how he was repping out 
335 20 times, which is absolutely staggering, you know, when you think about it. But the strength was there. You saw some explosiveness coming off the football. He's a really a freakish athlete and a guy that I think is really going to be a lot of fun to watch there in Big Ten play. Iowa taking on South Dakota State. Uh, look, this is a team that scored seven points without scoring a touchdown. That's right, a field goal and a couple of safeties. And when you look at the safeties, you know you, you saw the athleticism coming from Jack Campbell. 11 tackles on the day, half tackle for loss. But this was a guy that, you know, he was instinctive. He was shooting gaps. He was getting into the backfield. Um, this was a guy who I thought also was dropping into coverage really well. You know, he'd read the throws in front of him, plants, drives on the football, no real wasted movement. Um, I mentioned the, the safety, you know, the running back, Isaiah Davis, who is a, a draftable prospect for the Jack Rabbits, had just 18 carries for, uh, for 50 yards in the game. But uh, he looked to go off tackle. Campbell shoots through the gap. Running back isn't able to get the ball out of the end zone, gets that tackle for loss for the safety. Really, that was a game-winning score when it came down to it. Um, I, I think Jack Campbell absolutely had a day. Uh, Riley Moss, we know, is, is going to be an exceptional corner there for them. Um, I thought Seth Benson had a decent day. Justin Jacobs showed the range, being able to play sideline to sideline as well. Unfortunately, Tucker Kraft, tight end, had just one catch for seven yards. He went out with a knee injury, um, didn't return, so you worry about his long-term future. NC State taking on East Carolina. Look, the Wolfpack, they got lucky. 21-20 win, ultimately a missed extra point, and then a missed field goal as time was running down. Um, you know, Otherwise, we're, we're talking about an upset for the Pirates. And Devin Leary... Um, I thought it was it was an okay game, 17 to 33 for, for 271 yards and a touchdown. Um, did a good job getting out outside the pocket, keeping his eyes down the field. Um, you know, this is a guy I thought his he did a really good job with his eyes, holding the safety, being able to go back to to the opposite side of the field. He'd hang in the pocket, took some big shots in in the uh, in the pocket there, really delivering uh, a strike on the money. Good zip on the football. Um, you know, did a good job uh, extending some plays, but uh, there were some errant throws as well. That was one of the things that uh, you, know, you wanted to see uh, better accuracy with him. But I love the manipulation of the defense with his eyes, as I mentioned, and uh, the ball getting out quickly, especially when ECU was was getting into the backfield against them. Look, you know, this is a new offensive line. Um, you've got Grant Gibson, who I thought you know, played a decent game there at the pivot. Um, but uh, there's no Ike Aquanu anymore, so you have to kind of get used to some of that. Thayer Thomas scores, uh, you know, touchdown number 21 in his career. Uh, you know, six, six foot, 195 pounds. He's a shifty slot receiver, man. Really good hands. He's a guy to, to watch out for as the season progresses for sure. Uh, Peyton Wilson, we know that he had 100 tackle, 108 tackles in 2020. Um, had, had I think it was a shoulder injury in the second game of the season against Mississippi State. Missed the last 10 games. Ultimately injured again in this game. And, uh, you know, we don't know what his status is going to be. Upper body injury as well. Durability is absolutely a concern there for the 6'4", 240-pound linebacker. Uh, Taylor Ingle, uh, he's only 5'9", 180 80 pounds. You worry about the size, but a guy that was physical, wanted to make his presence felt in the box, able to make some plays on the back end as well. So he was a guy that I definitely was keeping an eye on. You know, and with Holton Ehlers, look, he's 6'2", 231 pounds, a four-year starter, four-year captain. And this was a guy that, 
you know, showed some boxy, you know, showed some some toughness to him. 25 of 41, 267 yards, a uh, couple of touchdowns, a couple of picks. Decision making at times was questionable, but man, this guy is a gamer. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was a lot of fun to watch. Some good balls, especially up the seam. There was a scare when he was running the football. Look, he had five carries for 57 yards. Ultimately, had a scare. Thought you know there was a shoulder injury. He ends up coming back into the game and, uh, and played well through the through the pain. Um, you just worry about the consistency. Does he have an NFL arm? That's really going to be the, the major question as you watch him continue to develop. Uh, Maryland versus Buffalo. We know that the Terrapins took down the Bulls 31-10, to uh, playing in, in Capital One Field there, Maryland Stadium. And uh, when you watch Maryland play, obviously what you want to watch for are uh, you know, those receivers. That's the first thing you're drawn to. You want to see what Dante Demas is able to do. Can he come back from that injury? Um uh, Makes the first man miss after the after the catch. Made a fingertip catch as well. Three catches, 23 yards. They seemed to kind of ease him in. Uh, I like Rakeem Jarrett. Um, I, I like the quickness coming off the ball. Uh, his ability to make some plays in space as well. Six catches, 110 yards on the day. But the guy that I was really having fun watch what was Jalen Duncan. 6'6", 315 pounds. The technique... You know, kept that back upright, the short choppy steps, typewriter type steps, fired quickly out of his stance, really sits down and keeps those hands inside to keep his man in front. Um, kept those hands underneath the pad level to keep him inside. Excellent footwork, kept those feet moving. The hand placement was consistent, shooting it in there, um, you know, not only as a pass protector, but also with the, with the run game as well, generating some movement there, sealing guys off. Uh, to me, I think Jalen Duncan, um, definitely helped himself in that game. I thought he put together some good tape. Obviously, it's against a Mac opponent. Uh, if you want to see what he can do in Big Ten play, but keep an eye out for the big 6'6", 315-pounder. I think this is a guy who's going to challenge into that top three conversation. I have him as my third tackle. I think, you know, Paris Johnson, that's going to be the really the conversation there. Which one of the three offensive tackles coming out of the Big Ten is going to be number one. Is it going to be Skaronsky? Is it going to be Johnson or is it going to be Duncan? I think Duncan watching that technique, I think he and Skaronsky to me are the top two tackles at least at this point in the season. I know it's a very young season, but uh, you know something to keep an eye out for for sure. And then defensively for Maryland, you know you look at Jacorian Bennett, 5'11", 195 pounds, had 13 pass breakups and three interceptions a season ago. Um, and, and look, he comes back again this season and was making plays on the ball. Had five pass breakups. A guy that was driving the, quickly on the football. Excellent wrap-up tackler as well. You saw the ball skills. Doesn't give up on the play. Um, you know, that's something that, look, a receiver went up, makes the catch over Bennett, and then Bennett doesn't give up on the play, ultimately is able to knock the ball free. So, you know, that was a nice play there for sure. Uh, Arizona. Jed Fish has something cooking there in Tucson. They go into San Diego and uh, upset San Diego State 38-20 um, to really spoil the opening of Snapdragon Stadium. I think the Aztecs are going to love uh, playing in that stadium. Looked like it was a, uh, a stadium that I'd love to check out at some point. Um, when you talk about Arizona, though, the guy that you have to talk about is Jacob Cowings, for sure. Um, you know, with, with Cowings, you saw the explosiveness. You know, UTEP over 1,300 yards a season ago. Ends up showing up in this game. Eight catches for 152 yards, three touchdowns. This guy was just absolutely explosive. His ability to make plays in space, just dynamic with the ball in his hands, accelerating away from guys. Um, that was something that I, I thought 
you definitely saw you saw some route running ability as well. Um, just getting vertical. Um, even you know, there's a play against Michael Shawcroft, the linebacker. He gives him just a little little head fake to free himself up with a jab step, and then gets vertical, ultimately wide open, makes a catch in space. Um, look, Jacob Cowings. He's a guy that should be considered as one of the top receivers in this year's draft class. There's no doubt about that. Arkansas, Cincinnati, 31-24 winners were the Razorbacks. Um, I thought Ricky Stromberg had an up-and-down game. There were times where he was getting beat um, off the football. Um, he's a guy, look, you know, in terms of that center position, there's some guys that are just playing better football right now. I thought Raheem Sanders, uh, 20 carries, 117 yards. You saw some physicality, saw some speed out of him. Bumper Poole was very active at that linebacker spot. 13 tackles and a tackle for loss. You know, a guy that was seemed to be all over the field, playing both the run and the pass. Uh, very sure tackler in space. I liked what Drew Sanders was able to do. The uh, edge rusher from Bama, the transfer, five tackles and a sack. On that sack, took on that left tackle, James Tunstall, who I thought had a decent game overall. But on that sack, he overset. When ultimately Sanders took an inside move, got to the quarterback in a hurry, and dropped him uh, for the sack. When you look at Cincinnati, you know obviously you have Ivan Pace Jr., the transfer from Miami of Ohio, six foot two thirty-five, gets to play with his brother Deshaun. And I thought Ivan Pace really had the better game: twelve tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, and a sack. One of the plays that he made was really against. Ricky Stromberg. Stromberg climbs to the second level and really a poor effort uh, you know, because it looked like he had Pace lined up and really all Pace had to do was just a quick arm over and he gets into the backfield, drops a running back for loss. You know, I, I thought that it, it just kind of looked like a half-assed effort there by, by Ricky Stromberg. Ivan Pace really wanting to show that he could hang with these guys in this upper echelon uh, in, in the FBS play, I thought that he did a really nice job to start out the season. Um, let's take a look at Oklahoma, the Sooners. Uh, Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium there in Norman, Oklahoma, taking on UTEP. And, and look, the Miners really didn't stand a chance here. 45-13 the final, and uh, it's all about the new quarterback. Caleb Williams is out. In comes uh, Dylan Gabriel. And, and look, Dylan Gabriel is a guy, we know that he's not the biggest guy. Uh, by any means. He's a smaller dude. He's, they say he's six foot. There, there's no way he's six foot. He's smaller than that. Um, he was 15 of 25, 233 yards, two touchdowns. Brent Venables was looking to get explosive. I think they had 21 points on 13 plays. Um, he was four for four, 53 yards uh, to start the third quarter. Um, just as an example, you know, really showed that he, he was bounced back in a big way after playing in just three games a season ago with a broken clavicle. Um, you loved him, you know, the ability to drop the ball right in over the shoulder there to Marvin Mims on a 42-yard strike. It was a vertical switch release, dropped it in right over the shoulder on the money, um, delivering the football to his running back, uh, you know, Eric Eric Gray. Uh, even showed the ability to make a guy miss in the open field. Uh, so Dylan Gabriel, to me, I thought had had a really nice day. Is he a guy that's going to get drafted? You know that that's really going to be debatable. You know because of his si his lack of size. But I'll tell you what, he's going to put up some big numbers in Jeff Levy's offense. He's very comfortable in that offense, and uh, you know especially when the Sooners play him well, I think there will be an NFL team that'll give him a shot. And look, he plays bigger than than his size. That's for sure. Eric Gray, the running back, look, 5'9", 206, 16 carries, went over 100 yards, also had a couple of, of receptions for 33 yards. 
And this is the guy, look, you saw him shoot the hole at full speed, getting down the field, able to then slam on the brakes, cut on a dime, and get back to the inside for four more yards. Uh, you know, a 25-yard reception. You know, not only is he showing off the ability to make the catch uh, down the seam, um, was put out in front of him, um, had inside leverage going up the seam there, really good route running ability. You love the leg drive after contact, presses the line of scrimmage, had a quick cut, plants to the right, cuts to the left, good ankle flexion there, good agility shown, that's for sure. And then Marvin Mims, look, three catches for 81 yards. This is a guy who is explosive. We're looking to try to find the next uh, you know, Jahan Dotson, who's going to be that guy that's going to end up making that draft, and uh, a guy that really showed off that vertical threat. Uh, Want to see more with that development in, in the route running from him. Anton Harrison, the big left tackle, 6'5", 315 pounds. Moved to the right side because Wanye Morris was not available. Uh, Tyler Guyton filled in there at the left tackle position. And, and this is a dude, look, he's big, he's physical, he's caving in the right side, opening holes for, for the running back. You want to see the jump up in competition and what Harrison could do, but I love the ability to move from left to right tackle and not miss a beat. Uh, Brayden Willis, look, you know, there was a shock that Jeremiah Hall was not drafted. When you look at Brayden Willis, 6'4", 235 pounds, this is a guy that was making tremendous blocks. He was climbing to the second level to spring Eric Gray um, on a 30-yard on a run, um, making some plays as a receiver as well. There was a block clearing the way for, for Marcus Major. Uh, this was a dude that just did a, a really good job in both of those areas. So he's a very versatile guy. Could be that H-back, fullback, tight end, do a little bit of everything. So, you know, Brayden Willis, I think, definitely helped himself in that football game as well. And, uh, you know, defensively, it was about Reggie Grimes, number 14, 6'4", 270 pounds, really good size there at that defensive end position. Excellent effort coming off the edge kept working to the quarterback um, and ultimately you know Gavin Hardison on, on one play fled the pocket to the left able to really take him down from the backside for a sack the very next play the quarterback fumbles a snap picks it up he's coming around on the stunt Jordan Kelly takes two defenders comes free for a second sack so that's right he had two sacks on two plays uses his hands very well turning the corner flattens out in a hurry chasing the quarterback down from the left hash to the outside of the right hash to get a sack as the first half ends. So, you know, two and a half sacks on the day, um, you know, to go along with the forced fumble. Reggie Grimes absolutely helped himself. Really kind of a coming out party. They, they need to, to really establish who's going to be that guy that's going to ultimately fill that void that Ronnie Perkins left when he took off for the NFL. I think you found your guy right there, that's for sure, in Reggie Grimes. Mississippi State beats Memphis 49-23. Will Rogers, look, 480 yards passing, five touchdowns. You know what you're going to get with the Mike Leach-led offense. And uh, you know, Will Rogers, look, he, he knows what to do with the football in that offense. He's got a really quick release. Um, you know, the ball just gets out in a hurry. 74% completion percentage. You know, uh, excellent command of the offense. Good pocket presence. Um, but some errant throws at times when, um, because of that early pressure. That's really where I think he the pat the 74%. A lot of that is going to be on those quick throws that you're going to see. That's going to pad some of those stats. But what's going to happen is when he gets under pressure, that's where you're going to see a lot of these errant throws happen. And that's where I think he really needs to kind of clean up his play a little bit. When you look at the Memphis side of the football, obviously you love their safety. 
Quindell Johnson, nine tackles, had a pick as well. Really, that was an errant throw. The receiver wasn't expecting it, and he just happened to be in position to make a play on the football. But uh, the guy that I was really impressed with was Jalen Allen. You know, converted linebackers playing defensive end. He'll probably be a linebacker at the next level. 6'3", 240 pounds. You know, um, shooting the A-gap, split two um, interior linemen, dropping the running back behind the line. Um, he was a guy that kind of was lining up as kind of a, you know, he'd line up on the inside, line up on the outside as a stand-up ed, uh, stand-up rusher. Uh, but quickness is his game. If he, you know, if the left tackle gets his hands on him, then he struggles to get off the block, was attacking the offensive tackles too high. Look, if you're, if you're a speed rusher, you want to be able to dip that inside shoulder and get to the edge. But I thought he was a little too upright at times, especially as he was taking on the quarterback. Look, USC, Lincoln Riley, it's only one game, but I think USC fans feel like they are back and heading in the right direction towards prominence yet again Caleb Williams look he's not going to be in this year's draft but he looked phenomenal 19 to 22 for 249 yards and a couple of touchdowns um, you know Jordan Addison look he's going to be in that conversation to be one of the top receivers in this draft um, what you saw there you know there was a whip route fakes a slant then comes back to the outside corner really got lost easy pitch and catch for a five-yard touchdown he's instinctive doesn't slow down through, through his routes. He's, he's at full speed making those cuts. Um, you know, there's a post where he, he made a 20-yard play. And really, you know, that's the thing that you love about him is that he's able, you know, the fluidity with the route running and his ability to just plant, go, and not lose any speed. And that's something that I thought was tremendous. Look, the line played very well. Uh, Cortland Ford, the left tackle, is a guy to keep an eye out for as an ascending prospect there. Impact well play. Andrew Voorhees plays with excellent leverage. Good knee bend. Kept his hands inside. Also very agile coming, pulling around. You're going to see a lot of that in Lincoln Riley's offense, that guard tackle pull on that counter play. Travis Dye was impressive. Uh, look, he only had five carries for 20 yards, three receptions for 21 yards, but... He was patient, waiting for blockers, um, runs a comeback on a scramble drill along the sideline. Caleb Williams was actually directing some traffic, but he showed you know good ability as a pass catcher. But there's an edge rusher on the outside on a third third name play. Um, the initial contact tried to blow him up, but Dai really kind of extended his arms, and that leg drive really just drove him away from the field and ultimately finished him as well. So I thought just that blocking ability, something that really stood out to me, uh, Tuli Tuli Pulotu didn't really have to do a whole lot, but he's a guy that I, I think is just going to continue to be one, a force up front for them. Sean Lee, uh, look, the, the Alabama transfer, eight tackles, two tackles for loss, a pass breakup, had a pick six, took it back for 40 yards, a guy that was scraping over the top, meeting the running back on the outside, lined him up, drives through him, wraps him up, and, and ultimately takes him back. USC needed that middle linebacker, and they got it in Shane Lee. I mentioned the pick six. They had three of them. Three pick sixes in the game. Um, you know, really, Wiley Green and, and TJ uh, McMahon for Rice, they were struggling to get anything going. Um, I think if there's anybody on that on that side of the football uh, for Rice, you know, Ekena um, and Chukwu, edge rusher, you know, you saw some skills there out of him. He'll be somebody to watch out for there for the Owls. But look, the Trojans rolled, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch USC, especially if that offensive line continues to play as it has. Sunday, Florida State takes on LSU. We're expecting LSU to, hey, fly high there with Brian Kelly. Ultimately, LSU struggled at times. Uh, Jaden Daniels looked 26-35, 209 yards, a couple of touchdowns, also over 100 yards on the ground. 
But, uh, you know, Keishon Butte, uh, Butte, just two catches for, for 20 yards. You could see the frustration, um, you know, in his body language. You could tell that, that Jaden Daniels was, was trying to get him the football. But Jaden Daniels is just an inconsistent quarterback. That's just something that you're going to get. He's definitely athletic. Um, the internal clock doesn't always go off with him. Took a, a bad sack on a play. Um, Daniels, to me, I just don't see see the, the hype with him. I think he's a guy that's just going to be uh, an up and down quarterback. He's just he's going to struggle. And I think with Bootsy, look, 6'1", 190, uh, the broken ankle, a couple of surgeries, missed spring practice. He's a guy that you know he's got to shake the rust off. And, and I want to see him get the football thrown his way um, on a regular basis because I think he really needs to work out all those kinks in a, in a big way. Ali Gay, 6'6", 250, the defensive end there for LSU. Um, you know, zone read, lost contain. Jordan Travis gets to the outside. The team captain called for targeting. I mean, it was clear. I mean, he lowers the crown of his, you know, uh, of his helmet and ultimately drives into uh, Jordan Travis. Really an obvious call. B.J. Ojolari, I thought, showed excellent backside pursuit, chasing Jordan Travis down on a sprint left. Um, loops around on a stunt, chases him down. Um, as he was rolling out, closes in a hurry. A big hit on him as he was throwing. Another team captain as well. I thought those were the standouts there on the defensive side of the ball for the Tigers. Florida State, I thought that that Jordan Travis was a much improved quarterback. I thought he saw, you know, was doing a better job seeing the field, getting the ball out in a hurry. Uh, 20 of 33, 260 yards, a couple of scores, eight carries for 31 yards as well. Um, you know, but it was really the defensive side of the football that really stood out for me. And one player in particular, and that's Jared Verse. He's 6'4", 248 pounds, a transfer from Albany. And this is a dude who, uh, as a pass rusher, is a guy that can get into the backfield. You know, he had his two hands to the chest of the right tackle, Cameron Wire, just shoved him right down off the snap. Really good pop in his hands. Speed coming off the edge as well. Needs to watch contain. You know, ultimately uh, got caught inside. Jaden Daniels, first play of the game, was able to take off for a 25-yard uh, run down the sideline. But you see that the talent, he just oozes uh, the, the talent there. Just want to see what he could do as uh, just continuing to develop. Kalen Deloach, the linebacker, undersized, 6'1", just 211 pounds. But uh, you love the athleticism there. Uh, was a spy on the quarterback, flying, getting to the outside, getting to the quarterback in a hurry. And then the safeties with, with Jamie Robinson, the free safety, Akeem Dent, the strong safety. Um, Dent actually covered Bouti on that slot fade. Uh, you know, he was a half step behind. Bouti was able to elevate over him, but he attacked the football on the way down, ultimately forcing a completion. I think that kind of frustrated Bouti a little bit because he had a nice catch you know, with, with, it, with the hands right over his head. And as he's coming down, the ball gets knocked free. Robert Scott, the big... You know, big number 53, 6'5", 334 pounds. Good hand placement on Ali Gay. Controlled his man, able to seal off the edge. Um, climbs out to the, to the linebacker in the second level. Gets his hands on him. Didn't really make much of a block, though. Um, you know, really a wide base. Anchors well. Picking up defensive tackles on stunts. Really good knee bend and leverage. So I, I thought Robert Scott had a, had a decent day overall. Um, but look, you know, this game, it came down to that, that extra point at the end of the game and uh, the tight end uh, freshman tight end Mason Taylor Jason Taylor's son had a decent game uh, five catches 42 yards it was his catch that set up the first to goal uh, with one second left and uh, Daniels finds receiver in the back of the end zone um, they get the touchdown uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Jeray Jenkins and 
Then on the extra point, Taylor goes outside. And there are two guys on his side. One goes outside, one goes inside. He goes outside, and you always block the inside guy. He didn't do that. That guy shoots, shoots the gap, ultimately gets the block, and Florida State ends up winning the football game. I know really a frustrating night for LSU fans, and you know, hopefully it's not a sign of things to come there for Brian Kelly in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, I think the media, you know, people are already on his case, especially with the way that he left Notre Dame. Clemson rolled over Georgia Tech, 41 to 10. Uh, Uyangalale, look, 19 to 31, uh, 210 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, lost some weight. You know, he's down to 220 pounds, uh, down about 30 pounds from last season. So, you know, he looked looked lighter, looked uh, on his feet, I should say. Uh, you know, obviously you got KJ Henry, a couple of tackles for loss and a sack. He was really the most active of those those defensive linemen. But look, you know, getting Brian Brissie back, getting Tyler Davis back from injury, you know, I think easing them back into things. I think those are two guys that the Clemson Tigers are really going to rely upon um, on the interior of that line. And then Trenton Simpson showed the speed, the ability to play uh, sideline to sideline, eight tackles on the day. You know, and you know Clemson absolutely rolled over Georgia Tech, and uh, you know they're they're really going to be a force to be reckoned with there in ACC play. So that was everything that I got to watch during Labor Day weekend. The first full weekend of college football. And obviously now we're going into week two and the matchups to watch out for on Friday. You're going to get to see Malik Cunningham there at Louisville heading into UCF. Want to see what they can do there. I think that's going to be an interesting game. OU takes on Kent State in Norman. I'll be at that game. I'll be able to take a look and see uh, Dylan Gabriel, what he's able to do. Eric Gray, Marvin Mims, Reggie Grimes being excited for that. USC, its first test. Uh, look, they're ranked number 10 in the country. Uh, taking on Stanford on the road. Want to see how that defense holds up against that power running game. They struggled at times with Rice's offense because Mike Bloomgren came from Stanford. Ultimately, that passing attack, though, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Want to see what uh, Jordan Addison can do there with Caleb Williams. Bama taking on Texas. Can B. John Robinson get going? You know, what are we going to see out of those receivers? Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington and company. Um, do they have enough studs on the defensive side of the football to compete with Alabama? Because you know you're going to have Bryce Young. You know you're going to have Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you know, I think the receivers, you're going to have uh, you know, both Justin Harrell and uh, Jermaine Burton making some plays there as well. Um, Cameron Latu. And then obviously, can they block Will Anderson? I believe there's a true freshman that's playing left tackle. I think they may be in for a long day there in Austin. Um, other games to keep an eye out for, Spencer Rattler is going to be taking on Arkansas in Fayetteville. Uh, really excited to see what he and, and Austin Stogner, the, the OU transfers, can do there against uh, KJ Jefferson and company. Um, Missouri traveling to K-State. And uh, look, that's a battle of, of two 1-0 teams. I want to see if Missouri's defense can hold up. Also excited to see what freshman Luther Burton could do in Big 12 play. Texas A&M taking on an explosive Appalachian State team. Forgot to mention, 63-61. North Carolina winds up beating Appalachian State. Look, App State jumped out to a 21-7 lead. Let NC State or uh, UNC get back into the game. AM. Obviously, you have Devin A. Shane and company there. Uh, Want to really see what, what Jimbo Fisher's team can do against a very explosive, explosive team. 
You'll have a, a top 25 matchup, Hendon Hooker and, and Tennessee, number 24 ranked balls taking on Pittsburgh, uh, the number 17 ranked Panthers, Keith Slovis and company, Servassier Dennis on the defensive side of the football. I think Pittsburgh comes away with a win there. Wisconsin taking on Wazoo, Washington State traveling to Madison. That'll be an interesting game there. Really excited to see what Cameron Ward could do against a top flight defense there. In the Badgers, Nate Herbig and company, really gonna be excited to see what they can do there. Can they shut down an explosive uh, Washington State offense? Uh, Georgia's taking on Sanford. I, I think they'll they'll get a couple of series out of their, their starters and then they'll be able to rest them. Uh, Houston coming off a big win, double overtime win over uh, UTSA. Frank Harris, if you haven't gotten to watch him play, he's an exciting quarterback there for the Roadrunners. But Houston, Clayton Toon, uh, Tank Dell and company. Tank Dell's a receiver to watch out for as well. Taking on Texas Tech in Lubbock. I think Houston comes away with the victory there. Iowa, Iowa State. You know, really haven't gotten a chance to see what Iowa State really has. Iowa, they got to get that offense going. Spencer Petras just really was struggling to get the football to any of his receivers, especially Sam Laporta. Laporta is one of the best tight ends in the country. Really want to see what can happen there. Illinois looking to bounce back. They have Virginia at home. Um, and this is going to be interesting, too. I think Virginia has a pair of receivers in Octavian Wicks and uh, Keaton Thompson. Um, Illinois, they have Devin Witherspoon, a guy that you know is a gambler at times. He's a trash talker on the outside, but he can be a playmaker. Can Virginia slow down Chase Brown? That's really going to be um, interesting on that side of the football. And then we get the matchup of the quarterbacks. 6 p.m. Central, you've got Kentucky, the 20th-ranked Wildcats, Heading into the swamp, Will Levis taking on Anthony Richardson. Look, Florida, they weren't even ranked. Now they're number 12 in the country. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, two guys that are vying to be that number three quarterback. Who's going to step up? Who's going to have the big game there in the swamp? If Anthony Richardson looks like he did against Utah, I think ultimately what we're going to see is a Florida win and Anthony Richardson surging ahead of Will Levis in draft rankings. I think he'll definitely surge ahead in mind, that's for sure. Um, continuing to look through the scores, Oklahoma State taking on ASU. Arizona State has Emory Jones, another Florida quarterback. Xavier Valaday coming from Wyoming, the running back there. You've also got Merlin Robertson, the linebacker, taking on Oklahoma State. Brennan Presley, we didn't talk about him, but an explosive receiver. They have Braden Johnson, uh, a six-foot receiver there on the outside as well. Had a big game for the Cowboys there. Um, in their opening win, uh, game win against Central Michigan. Johnson's back after battling some injuries. Presley very explosive. Um, I think ultimately Oklahoma State's just going to have too much firepower. I think the defense is also going to get the job done as well. And then in the night game, you got Baylor taking on BYU, the number nine ranked Bears taking on the Cougars in Utah. And, and I'll tell you what, this is going to be a couple of, of tackles that you're really going to be watching out for. And Connor Galvin for the, the Bears and Blake Freeland for BYU. A couple of guys that are in the conversation as top 10 tackles in this year's draft and really want to see what they can do, who's going to emerge as a guy that's going to be in consideration as a top five tackle. I think both of these guys are right there. Um, you know, Freeland is a guy that just continues to get better and better each and every year. And with, with Connor Galvin, he was the Big 12 offensive lineman of the year a season ago so i think that'll be a fun 
uh, fun game to watch there. Fresno State taking on the Beavers. Look, you know, Oregon State, they got a big win last week over Boise State. Can they do the same against Fresno State? Look, Fresno State, they've got uh, a solid quarterback there in Jake Hayner. They've got Jalen Cropper, uh, the, the wide receiver. Could this be a tune-up game before they take on USC? You know, I, I think Oregon State's, they're, they're for real. They, they, they're pretty tough. You know, they've got a good tight end there and, and Joel Musgrave as well. That'll be an interesting game. And then finally, in the desert, Arizona taking on Mississippi State. Can Arizona do enough to slow down Mike Leach's offense? Really, can Mike Leach's defense, led by Jet Johnson, their, their middle linebacker, can't that defense slow down Jacob Cowings and company with that passing offense? Look, they've got Jaden DeLara, a quarterback who can sling it. They've struggled to, to get a quarterback in there that can really throw the football around at DeLora, the transfer from Washington State, is the guy that can absolutely get that done. So those are some of the games that I'm definitely going to be looking out for. As I said, I'll be heading to Norman to check out OU take on Kent State. Um, hope everybody enjoys the weekend. There's a lot of really good college football games. Week two, hey, that means that it's football in September. You got to love it. College football is here. The NFL starts up as well. Rams against the Bills on Thursday night. Matthew Stafford versus Josh Allen. We'll get to see Jalen Ramsey against Stephon Diggs. What can... Aaron Donald do? Can he get to Josh Allen? Will Von Miller and company be able to get to Matthew Stafford? That's going to be a fun game. And then obviously a full slate of games on Sunday and Monday there in the NFL. I'm excited to have both college football and the NFL game starting up. I think it's hard to argue with football season being the best time of year. So with that, we'll go ahead and put a wrap to the podcast for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your football, college football, NFL. It's all back. Take care, everyone. And until next time, I am.